everybody, welcome to the Portsmouth Basketball Podcast. This is part two of an interview series. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and check it out. But for those of you who are here at the right time, thank you so much for listening. Let's get into it. It's, it's fair to say, Ryan, the way Paul's spoken of you in the past and he's playing with you and, and against you, um, that you command a respect on your team. So I'm going to ask you this as a player, yeah. as, a, as, as a captain of a team. When you're on the court, who's making those calls, the coach or the captain? Who's, 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 who's the one who's really running? I mean, I think any coach will tell you that, you know, you can only do so much from the sideline. There's only so, you know, you, you can run a play, you, you can call out what you see, but ultimately it's got to be executed by by the guys that are on the court. And I mean, the best the best version of this that I've seen, I, I sat on the bench for the Kestrels Division One team for a little, this is way down, like at the end of my career playing, playing basketball. And Matt Guyman's coaching. So Matt is Bev and Jimmy's son, obviously. And he's, you know, a bit of a legend now in the Kestrels community as a coach. In every timeout in that season, he had two guys on the on the team. Elliot Dads, who played on Saturday against four, so he was the captain. And then there was another guy called Brendan Okoronkwo, who plays. He played for Kestrels. He also he's played for Worcester. He played for Worthing's out at Worthing. Every timeout, the timeout would start of what do you guys see? Oh wow, that was that was really every single one. Now. I can tell you categorically that Matt knew what he saw and knew probably what he was going to run and what play he was going to call and what defense he was going to do. But again, it's the, the fact that he asked them, it's empowering them mm. to make decisions, showing them that he values their opinion. And, uh, you know, it definitely had an impact on what decisions Matt made. And... I mean, you're talking about two of the highest IQ guys in Division One at that time as well. So, you know, whether he would do that with his, you know, division or, you know, first year academy team, I don't know. But it was the most impressive thing I'd ever seen as a coach because it's basically saying, you know, you, you, guys, players, yeah, yeah. you guys are the ones that are going to make this happen. I can put you in the right places, but ultimately, you know, the best play in the world still got to be run by players. And I mean, in my opinion, the proof is in the pudding. They they won every trophy there was to re win over a four or five year period. Yeah, I think it was um, over the last six years, four out of the six years they've won Div 1. Yeah. Um, and I think, oh, I don't want to go into playoffs or cuts, but I just remember the yeah. league. The league, I think it's four out of six. And I think, I mean, in that space, space time, they made an incredible run in the BBL trophy as well. Um, upset some pretty decent teams along the way um, and then lost in overtime in the final to Newcastle Eagles you know it was an impressive team I mean and that that is a question that we've got and I'm not sure who we should get on to do it but one of our huge questions is why isn't the Solent Kestrels in the BBL yeah what is what's the whole picture there because it, it you win you win NBL Div 1 four years in a row well that should justify how you've got the 
foundation so, to go to the BPL? So I can answer some of those questions because I have some relationships with, I mean, Matt Guyman's one of my best friends. Um, and the sponsor of the club, James Matthews, um, I coached his son, Louis, um, and I know James quite well. Um, I'm not affiliated with the club in any way, so I can only really answer from a perception of what I've seen and what I've heard. Does, yeah. does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we're not throwing, not holding you to it. No guns to the head or throwing um, under a bus. So I know, I know that James, at one point, particularly when the team was making that BBL trophy run, he was eyeing promoting that team towards BBL level. That's what we all were thinking. And he, was, for. he was, yeah. he was like seriously. We're, we're we've beaten. I think they beat. Who did they beat? London Lions. They beat them. They beat Bristol. And then they took Newcastle to overtime. Now, granted, Newcastle didn't have their full squad because of like COVID. It was right. It was the last game to be played. I, I know some of the Americans had already left. Um, but I know James was eyeing that. And in meetings that I've sat in on with Solent University, that was the pathway that they were looking for. They wanted a BBL franchise for both men and women. That was something they wanted, or they said that they wanted. Um, obviously, you know, the facility at um, the Solent Sports Complex, the SSC, is amazing, but it's not BBL standard. It doesn't have enough I people. Think it's, is it 700 that you I, need? I don't know, but it's, they're nowhere near that. Um, it's, they're nowhere near the seating capacity. What is BBL. the capacity? What, could you I, give us I a ballpark? I understood it was a thousand. Oh, right. I, I understood it was a thousand, but I could be wrong. Like I said, I'm not I'm not a BBL follower, so I don't know. But I've always kind of understood it was a thousand. I think it, maybe your seating needs to be a thousand because yeah. we looked up the BBL. Um, some of the it was Bristol Flyers. I just saw and they were one. getting seven hundred and seven fifty. Right, but maybe your pack capacity has been. But I imagine the capacity might be a thousand. But right, they Keshaws aren't hitting that. that. But they're getting know. a three thousand seat stadium now. So I, I whatever, think. So. I know, I mean, obviously the Bristol four, game. 500 in there. Yeah, I, th I think the Bristol game, where where they, I wasn't at that game. But I, again, I can't remember what I was doing. I think I was on holiday, actually. And um, and they packed it out, and I think it was somewhere around 500 people. Um, and that was a huge game. They played amazing. Um, but so, so the facility isn't from my understanding up to standard that's that's one of the blocks um but essentially the biggest thing that happened that's kind of stopped that sort of thought process of moving forwards was solent university so so one of the guys that was heavily involved in elite sport at solent university at matt they called this guy called matt bishop um and he was he's got a son that's come through the program in the program at the moment he's very sort of pro basketball but he looks after sport for the whole university or did look after sport for the whole university well at the end of right towards the end of this season he no longer works for the solent university 
and they brought in a new person to take over from that and that person is not interested in elite sport at the university. They're looking at participation sport. Um, they're, so they they essentially pulled the plug on the Solent Kestrels oh, no. National League or division professional team because there, there was a point where we didn't even think we were going to be able to use the facility. They were, they were going to charge us to use the facility. Um, and because they want the facility to be available to their students and those types of things. So, wow. Now, because you've got the other court there. Yeah. But I guess. Yep. So, so, so. You can't put badminton lines on that well, nice court. I, I mean, who knows? I, I, you know, we, what we know about university like sport is that they, if they decide they want to make money, the easiest way to make money is putting badminton courts in. Yeah. yeah. It makes far more money than basketball. Just it's a fact. It's what we, you know, the whole country sport is competing against. Basketball is competing against it because because it makes more money. You can get more people onto the onto the you know the area, um, and they're willing to pay more money. Which is um, ironic because actually the numbers of people who actually play basketball in the UK is quite big. It's sig yeah, quite significant. The, but the demographics are different as well. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. you know. No disrespect. I mean, I used to play badminton, ashamedly. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you just admit that? That's yeah. embarrassing. We don't do edits either, so that's yeah. staying in. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, but, you know, I played county level badminton until I was 14, 15. Um, but, you know, going to county badminton sessions, you know, you're, people are rolling up in Range Rovers and, you know, that kind of thing. They, you know, these people have got money. Um, they can rent out an entire half of a sports hall for their kids to play a, play badminton. There's not many kids that play basketball that have that, yeah. that situation. Um, but if you and so that brings me to the next part with, you know, with the Kestrels, James Matthews, his, so if you know any, I don't know if you know who James Matthews is, you've probably never heard of him or, you know, have very little sort of understanding. But James basically is Kestrels. So when Solent Stars folded, um, we had, we still had the junior program running. We wanted like kids to be able to play basketball. So James, he runs a security firm called Kestrel Guards, who you've probably seen signs yeah. of at schools yeah, yeah, all around yeah. the place. James owns Kestrel Guards. He's he's the, the, you know, the manager of that business. Um, when we needed someone to kind of step in and stabilize the club financially. That's when we became Solent Kestrels. So I'll put the money in. His son was coming through the program, Chip Louie. His other son, Benji, was younger. He was also coming through the program. I'll put the money in, but I want it to be named after my company. So it became Solent Kestrels. And James has been putting his own money into the club ever since. So, yeah. So, um, at first, it was probably selfish on his, or, you know, partly selfish on his part, so that his son had a national league team to play for. Because if he didn't put the money in, he probably it probably wouldn't have happened. Um, and then Louis progressed and wanted to play men's basketball, so he, you know, he ended up putting money in to do that. And then James probably got to the point where we had a decent team and decided. I want to play real life basketball manager 
you know, rather than, you know, rather than the, let's see if I can actually build a team that can win everything. And then he got to the point where if we can win this, then maybe we can win Division yeah, 1 and, and maybe we can compete with these these franchises in the BBL. Um, but, it, I mean, I'm sure it costs him a lot of money. Um, you know, I, I've got no idea what the... You know, but he was putting money towards accommodation for players, the Americans coming over. He was paying salaries, so is bonuses. He, so he's pulled out? So, James... I mean, when Louis retired, so Louis Kirkman, is James's son, retired three or four years ago now. Um, so he played a couple of seasons Division One, um, and we all expected when Louis retired that James was going to pull the money, you know, and, and it would have been justified for him to do that because he's been doing it for so long. But he carried on, and that's kind of when they made their big run of winning everything. You know, James was still putting the money in. Um, but I think it's probably, you know, to my understanding, he's still, he's still, you know, involved in some way, but not driving, you know, we, when I, I played for them in division three and division two, and James was letting us use the company Land Rovers to drive to and from the games. You know, he had two defenders that were company cars because it's a security firm. Yeah. And I was driving the defenders to the games. Oh, wow. Um, or one of them, obviously. And then... I mean, that just that makes a huge difference, yeah. isn't it? Um, so he's still involved and he still puts things in. I mean, but he was, he was fully funding that team. You know, we have other sponsors. We have other people putting money in. I think Evolution 5 is one of them. It's a local company that's putting money in. But James was running a load of his money into making that team and suddenly there was a you know threat of you're gonna, not going to have a facility you're not going to you know and also where's the challenge if you're not if you're not ha you don't have the ability to play in the BBL if that's what you're you know because it would have cost a hell of a lot more money to put a team into BBL um, you've already won everything in division one yeah, you've got nothing left next? to prove tricky um and then on top of that so matt has got you know was kind of dragged along by the whole thing matt's got no real interest of coaching division one basketball but he just did because it was a great team and james was very driven to make that sort of team happen and matt's you know, one of the best coaches in the country um but he's got a young family he was you know, there were times in his season where he was doing back-to-back -back weekends, you know, like two games on back-to-back-to-back-to-back weekends, you know. And he was never seeing his his missus and his two kids. And that puts a strain on your relationship and your life. And, and he's ultimately paid as the academy coach for Riching College. That's what he does. And that's what his responsibility is. And... You know, I think they kind of saw the whole, the whole sort of thing happening all at the same time as like a sign of, do you know what? We've put all of our eggs in this Division One men's basket, and we've kind of neglected some of the community stuff and some of these younger teams that you know that have up and coming. We've got we've got to reinvest in that, become more of what what Solent Stars and Solent Kids used to be, which was a community club. Yeah, get that back. That 
that you know develops kids and and creates opportunities for them to go and play basketball elsewhere and i think you know what that's the foundation of all the clubs that even Warsmouth, winchester whiteley what they're all yep. trying to do so the only thing i didn't understand was why did they come out of div one is it just because they weren't going to compete was that financial so because i kind of thought you know what you guys have earned the right even though I think they finished seventh, I'm like, look, you've still earned the right to be in Div 1. So the first thing was, and I, again, I don't want to tread on people's toes too much, here, but obviously they had Bed Stanley coaching last year. Um, and because of how uncertain the whole situation was with the university potentially pulling the plug on elite sport, they couldn't promise Ben Stanley a contract to coach. Matt doesn't want to coach in Division Division One anyway. He stopped. He stopped doing that last year for that reason. Um, so, and it, and this was late in the off season. So, to get a quality coach in, they'd already started the recruitment process for the university because we were getting scholarships from the university to the players to come. They'd already started that whole process, or Ben had already started that whole process, and then the plug gets pulled, and. You know, you, we they were in a position where they were going to have a pretty competitive Division One team, or as competitive as they were the year before, and suddenly all of that's gone. And then when you've got players that are looking to play Division One, and things get pulled, they start taking the first options that come to them. Should, should, does that make yeah, sense? No, we we saw some of the player movement yeah. and was like, oh wow, they're just going down the road yeah. here, and yeah. So. You know, you've got guys, you know, a couple of them have gone to Essex, a couple of them have gone elsewhere. Um, and so you're not going to be competitive at Division One. You don't have a coach that's that's wants to coach at that level, is driven to coach that level because you don't have the money and you don't have the, you know, the contract availability. And any, any good coach is going to be signed by the summer. Do you know what I mean? Um, and ultimately the coaching staff at Itchin College said you know what we we've got to provide we've got to go back to providing a pathway for these academy kids and these under 18 kids to play men's National League basketball because that's the best thing for their development and as good as those kids looked on Saturday against Portsmouth four or five of them are local kids that have just stuck around the academy kids aren't at that level yet you know Ace is showing signs of brilliance a couple of guys that look decent but they're, they're going to be challenged at Division 2 and that's with their team bolstered by local guys it's be, it'd be tough to go into Division 1 disappointing and I know the whole club was disappointed that we've you know we've been so good for so long but it was kind of a multitude of things that happened, a snowball effect, and they said, "You know what? We need to we need to dial this back and start again and build back up to that level if we can get there, you know, in the correct way." So, will the Kestrels be still located there? The so yeah, here? so yeah, so they've, you know, I think. 
I, and I haven't been involved in this situation, so I don't know. But they, I mean, there's been home games there already, so you know they've kind of softened their stance about it. I think Good. the new the new people that have sort of come in have have sort of given us given Kestrels a deal on you know rental of the gym, so we're not playing full price for the rental and stuff like that. When we spoke to Simon, one of the things that stuck with me was how playing in France. He's like, well, we're playing in the city and we're playing for this area. So yeah. that township are like, oh no, you don't pay facilities because yeah. you're representing this town. Every night, yeah, all yeah. day. And, yeah. and, and you just think, why, why don't we do this? Why does this happen over here? Because well, in England, we have money and it get monetized. And if someone's looking at it going, you know what? I can make, I can do that for free or I can get paid. I mean, spending time, I mean, obviously I've spent time in Germany because of my partner and seeing the way that they obviously deal with with basketball. Is it similar to the French way? Of- it's definitely not like the UK version. So my, so my understanding is you cannot run a team in their version of the National League unless you've got a sponsor that's willing to, you know, put a considerable amount of money in, um, you know, most of the teams in this country are self-funded, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, people are paying monthly fees, or someone is just putting their own money in. They're not and not taking any real credit for it. Do you, do you know what I mean? The teams in Germany they have to have a sponsor. The the name goes on the kit, and they derive some kind of benefit from that sponsorship. In this country, sponsorship deals rarely actually derive any benefit for the people that are putting the money in you know you go in you, you know i'm speaking politically here but if you go in as a, as a sports team and you say to a company i oh, want you know will you sponsor us the conversation should be well okay yeah we yeah we've got some money to sponsor you but what are you offering in return we're we gonna out of it yeah that's the way that it should work but what the, are we really offering VAT. You yeah, get yeah. It back on VAT. So yeah, it's, it's a tax write-off. Exactly right. We had this conversation mm-hmm. two, a few days ago, and oh yeah, because Mark was thinking about sponsoring the Ports of Force, and I turned around and said, Mark, what are you getting out of it other than donating money? Mm-hmm. And you know that that's to be commended if you know because I think you said it on the podcast. If you had money to spare, you'd put it into a team, and I would do the same thing. I want to see basketball grow. I want to see. I want to see people given opportunities that, that I n- might not necessarily get. If I had money to spare, I'd like to think that I would be able to put some into basketball. But that's not sponsorship. No. That's that's giving charity. back. That's charity. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. E- exactly. And that's where I'm looking at it from, not necessarily the, the seniors team. So if Rob, if you listen now, just turn off. <laughs> but like actually going with the juniors and going for that same thing. Yeah because that's that foundational work and there are certain i think it's sports sports uk or sport england and there's certain things where you can do where if you donate yep to the club a certain amount yep. of money sport england will either co-match that or there's a certain amount yeah, of sports match yeah it used to be called sports match i don't know if, what it's called now but. but it's that sort of thing but certainly for the under 18s and the junior sort of stuff, they can do quite a lot of that. And it's like, oh yeah, I would 100%, you know, we will do it here for the podcast. Um, we'll do something like that for because then that's great because it's helping a community and it's helping to do that. Yeah. But 
to the seniors, I had a theory on this. Uh, and someone I know who, work, who works, but also plays a rugby club, each of the players spon get spo a sponsor. Yeah. And then when you see the match day, they'll have a program. And then each player has their own profile. Oh, yeah. And with the company with sponsor. With the company that they sponsor underneath. And every player only has to get a sponsor of like 250 quid, something like that, which sounds... Trivial, yeah. Which is, and for that team, you know, that's always going to be on wherever the banner is. And it's a rugby team. They've got X amount of matches. You know, we're only playing 10, 12 home games or whatever. Yeah. And more importantly, it's that pet project thing. So you're not going to someone saying, hey, I want five grand or 10 grand or something. You're just going to someone saying, hey, you're a local business. Your mate plays in that local thing or whatever. You want to promote it to people in the area. Yeah, fine. Yeah. And that is, in that person, cheap marketing. You did tell yeah. I was in sales for a few years. <laughs> but that is cheap marketing in that respect because yep. it's like, there's your captive audience. Those are the people that you want to appeal to. Just totally. Why not do that? And it's, but it goes back to it's self funding and it is a, it's a pet project. It's like, yeah, we all want to just do it because it's fun and it keeps people going. But, it, there isn't I don't know if the Sport England I don't know if any of these big things or what happens you see all these promotions there's one even recently I even starred it or saved it on Instagram whatever they say for promoting all these sports and outreach but you think we've got we, there are sports where the, where's the access like yeah. that's where you got to support it and it doesn't seem to be there I, I was in um, I don't know why this just popped in my head but I was in a, a jazz club um, uh, in London, I was talking to the owner. Left turn, <laughs> and he turned around and was talking. And I was talking about actually making money as a uh, as a jazz club because obviously you get quiet nights. And he said, "Do you want me to tell you how to make a million pounds as a jazz club?" I went, "How?" And he goes, "You've got to be a billionaire." Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's how you do it. He, he said, "You're you just hemorrhage money." Yeah. And kind of, I think, with sports, sometimes it's a similar, isn't it? Oh, look, how much did Steve Barmer pay to have the old, uh, was it the... LA Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers. Was it Was it the forum they bought? Yeah, they've just, yeah, they've just bought the old, the, the yeah, the old forum and they're going to be... West Union Forum. Yeah. Was it? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it was, West it Union was Forum. West Union Baptist Forum or something like that. Bank, it was, it was it a was bank a name, wasn't it? But it was a church for a while, wasn't it, when they... But the yeah. people who owned it were Madison Square Gardens. Yeah. And it's 400, right. 400 million that he sold it for. And he, I mean, he's got, he's, he's a little bit fresh with cash, so he's all right. But still, I mean, that's, and they just said that the screen is going to be like the biggest screen. It's like most of them are like 9,000 square foot or something. And his is going to be like 28,000 square foot. Yeah, or something. they got like, one in Vegas. Have you seen like, that? Ludicrous. It's like a big moon. Yeah. So it'll be a yeah. big basketball or something He's like going to do something like that around the size. There was a few pictures going up, but you think, okay, yeah, but it's, it's still the Clippers, Steve. Like, what are you doing? They haven't won anything. And you got Kawhi. Yeah, but I mean... Like, get rid of him. The, yeah. <laughs> well, like I say, when he's playing, he's one of the best five, ten players in the league, but when's he going to play? That's the question. You don't know. Yeah, but well, I mean, I, you know, if you've got the kind of ridiculous money you need to buy an NBA franchise, it's a money maker. You, you know, you can see that from Jordan, can't you? I mean, how much did he buy the Hornets for, or whatever they were when he bought them? And he's just what sold them for four billion, is it? I think. Yeah, something like that, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's done very well. 
I mean, yeah. yeah. He's not had a bad life, has he? He's done all right. He's, he's not had a bad life. So, and he knows how to market himself. Is he the GOAT? Let's throw it in there right now. Is he oh, the GOAT? God, you have to do this, don't you? Yeah. Um. So, are you making Ryan pick his number one now, are you? No, this isn't number one. I'm just saying, <clears> is, is Jordan the GOAT? It's the, it's, the, it's the question, isn't it? So, I'll start this by saying I was never a Jordan fan as a, as a like, 90s basketball fan. Really? No. Um, so I was I was a Shaq and Penny fan. Ooh, okay, Penny. So, right, I was, was going to say, but as a point guard. You know, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't think my thoughts of Ryan Payne could go higher, but they just have. <laughs> um, so I wasn't obviously because they were, yeah. You know, when Jordan came back, there was the you know the very quick rivalry between the Orlando Magic and the Chicago Bulls. I wasn't a Chicago Bulls fan. I wasn't a Michael Jordan fan. Um, but. It was very easy to see him as the best player of all time during his run and since then. People of my age and my era are very protective of Jordan. Um, and obviously you've got a, you know someone in LeBron who we've already talked about coming through and there's you know the new you know fan of basketball probably makes an argument for LeBron. Um I think it's a lot closer than 90s basketball fans would like to admit. Um, but on the biggest stage, I don't think Jordan's got a black spot on his resume. And all that, like... People talk about oh you know how many finals has LeBron lost. I, I don't really look at that because I look at when when he got to the finals was his team the best team? And when you look at it objectively, the three times he played against Golden State, they weren't the best team. Four is it three or four? I can't remember. When they played when he was on Cleveland playing against the Spurs. They weren't the best team. But when the first year of Miami against Dallas, they were the best team. He played bad and they lost. Jordan never had that. In my, you know, you you can make the case, oh yeah, but he, there were times he didn't make the finals and you know, all of that, but on the biggest stage, it just he he didn't he didn't lose. And it's really hard to get past, you know, I've tried to make, I'm a massive LeBron fan. I really like him. I think he's, you know, he's got a case as the greatest player of all time. I'd try and make every argument I could, but you cannot get around six or no. You Jordan's just the blue, he's the blueprint. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the way I think of him. Not as necessarily a GOAT, because I think that will always be superseded yeah. by stats. Yeah. And LeBron will pass most, almost if not all of these stats. Yeah. But Jordan was the first real... All defensive player of the year, yeah. Whilst being MVP, <laughs> yeah. So like, it's like Leading what, en what end you want scoring, him? Yeah. What end you want him? Because he's going to destroy you either end. So, I think the case for LeBron is, if you look at that team, that I feel like I need to get comfortable. <laughs> so, yeah. So no, it's, it's the question. It, it is the question, isn't it? You've got me philosophical now. Um, so if you look at the LeBron. 
run for Cleveland, the team he took to the finals. I don't think, if you want to make the argument for LeBron as the greatest player of all time, I don't think there's another player in NBA history that could have taken that Cleveland team to the NBA finals. I truly believe that. But. Sorry, which, which season is this? It's when they lost to the Spurs. Oh, okay. It's very early in his sort of run of finals appearances. 04, 05, something like that. I don't know the year. But that team has had Olgaus, Ilgauskas, they had Eric Snow as the point guard, I believe. Like Snow. I mean, the team he took to the NBA finals, I don't think anybody else in the history of the NBA could do that. I, I really don't. Um, but if you'd have flipped Prime Jordan for that 2011, was it? 2011 run to the finals against Dallas? Did they win in 2011? Dallas was 2011. Jordan's winning that. Yeah. Oh, Dirk carried them through that. That was that was a whole Dirk thing. Yeah. They, they were and he out. was amazing. He was amazing in that finals run. He was incredible. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it's the, the most fascinating part about that argument, you know, is they are completely different players. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's the most compelling part to the argument for me is if you were comparing, you know, if Kobe had had the career, the scoring and the, you know, that of that LeBron's had and you were trying to compare, it would be an easier com comparison because they're so similar in the, their attitude towards what, constitutes greatness like Jordan and LeBron are almost polar opposites in the way that they approach the game like Jordan like how dare you think that you're going to have the ball in the last five seconds of the game yeah only only if I deem it necessary that you, I'm going to pass you the ball LeBron you know almost to his you know disadvantage sometimes he's he's always been a pass first player and so he's got the criticism of he's not clutch and you know he doesn't he's not willing to take the big shot or you know whatever no one ever threw that at jordan no one said you're not willing to take the big shot to to, to yeah. mj um you know but i i do think it's closer than 90s basketball fans want to admit yeah you know and and the the arguments about Oh, you know, LeBron's a flopper. He'd never have made it in nineties basketball. Like he's six nine, two hundred and eighty pounds. Like he's he's bullied the league for twenty years. Like, I'm sorry. Like they would have known. It, they'd have been like, "What the hell is this? What is this?" You know, they've not been able to deal with it. Um, and cause you know, the other thing is, you know, counter argument. Can you imagine Jordan with a non-hand check in NBA? Like what he would do to the league now? Yeah, it's just uh, like you know it's it's fascinating argument but but it that's the, probably i think the, the best core of the argument ultimately isn't it yeah that the way the defense is played now yeah like but it's but truly Le Le LeBron, different eras Le yeah it? lebron never had to go up against a charles oakley who would have physically hammered him i mean yeah. the closest he's going to get is Embiid being a bit clumsy like he does but you know he's not getting that kind of shack coming in and hammering him in that sort of way. By the time Shaq was doing that, he was I, I also think that though that point. would have benefited LeBron, yeah, in ways like defensively in particular because he he could have been really physical with players 
which he's not allowed to be in the current NBA. The, that's the other thing. So LeBron has had to um, like adapt his game at least three times throughout his career. Jordan and never really had to adapt his game. Obviously, developed the fadeaway later, but he always was a mid-range like jump shooter. Even in his early days when he was attacking the rim and dunking, he never really had to change his game. LeBron's had to adapt to a complete like overhaul of the way basketball was play played, and he's still effective. It's it's just incredible, and I don't think we're gonna really have a perspective on how good he is until 20 years from now. His physical shape has changed a lot <laughs> yeah. as opposed to, but MJ just got uh, actually like buffer as yeah. it from 80s Jordan to 90s Jordan. He just got more physical. Whereas, he put a lot of weight on Jordan, did I yeah, oh, his yeah, upper body in particular, yeah. yeah. But, but LeBron, I think it was when he did the Miami thing, he just went, at one point it was like, uh, someone's let the Hulk on the court he just went super muscly and then he went hang on a bit I've got to take this back a little down he hurt his back didn't he yeah he hurt his back and and the the upper body mass was really hampering him so he had to lose lose some weight but having you know having someone that big as a dominant player you think that he's the same sort of he's like a Karl Malone kind of player yeah and imagine if he had someone who was like a Stockton and people could argue like Wade was like that with him. Whereas Jordan, it was give me the, I don't need anyone to feed me. I'm yeah. taking the ball and I'm going with it. But end of yeah. the day, LeBron wears a Jordan logo. Jordan don't wear a LeBron logo. Wow. That's all I'm saying. Oh yeah, you said yeah, that. Yeah, I before. mean, I've gone a long way around answering the question. Like I say, no, it's for, good. for me it's Jordan, but you know, through gritted teeth, it's Jordan. But I think it's a lot closer than people would, would give it credit for. Not Paul Gooder. Unfortunately not, mate. Sorry. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll take I'll take a third. That's fine. <laughs> um, right. So uh, you know what? I mean, that was that was some great perspective that we got for the Kestrels because we're we're yeah. hearing stuff that we don't know. We just I was prepared for that one because I heard that on a previous pod and I thought I've I've yeah. like I say I'm not in it so I don't know the whole story but I can give you a little bit of perspective. It was what, just the surprise because yeah, we just didn't quite. Where's, so we're like, where's the why? jigsaw goes? Like, yeah. you know, but yeah, it, it makes sense. And you know what? In in fairness to the Kestrels, you know, they're going to go for Div 2. And from what we saw on Saturday, you know, let's hope they do all right. Let's hope they do all right. And again, I've said this before, in an ideal situation, let's hope they stay in Div 2. And you get Portsmouth a rivalry for their in Division 2. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, you never know. Mark, if I do win the Euros... I may let the Kestrels play their home games. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go, like, so, you know, we talked about the ports of smugglers and you said that you went into um, the silent Kestrels and stuff. So we're now that at the end of your career. And yeah. You've, you know, I'm assuming Nathan asked you to go and play for Hamble. Um, uh, no, so Nathan didn't ask me. So I can't remember when it was. I think it was before covid so yeah, it was before COVID, the lockdown. And it was the season before that. And Mark Jackson was playing for Winchester Royals. Yeah, he was. Um, and I guess he got halfway through that season. And he, I can't remember where I saw him or where he reached. He reached out to me and said, you need to come on. Yeah, I want you to come and play for Winchester. And I'd 
done the whole, I'd, I'd, I hadn't played local league in a long time. Um, I'd, um, I'd sat on the bench for the Division One Kestrels team because Matt asked me to because they had a couple of injuries and they were struggling to field enough players on the roster to not get fined because if you've got like seven players or less you get fined so he asked me to I was at a practice one time I had my stuff my kit with me I joined a session I hadn't played in like six months I hit like my first four shots and then like all the pros like who the hell is this guy and then he sort of signed me just so I could fill out the roster basically and I just sat on the bench and Jax knew that I'd kind of got back involved I'd reluctantly got back involved in basketball because I'd kind of stepped away from it and drawn a line under my career you know and said I'm moving on and he was asking me to come and play for Winchester and I said no I said I'm not I'm not interested um I don't want to play local league and then the lockdown happens and suddenly you've got the entire world saying you can't play basketball so I've gone from having basketball available to me anytime I want really because I can go in you know play sit on the bench for Sony Keshwas if I want I've got access to a beautiful gym I can go and play and just not having any interest to suddenly they're telling me I can't and I start going the itch like I've got you know months go by you haven't been able to do anything um and I thought, yeah, I would like to go and play. I would like to. I would like to play. Maybe, you know, maybe I can. Maybe I can. Um, and then it, so it got it got to. We came out of lockdown, and I reached out to Jacks because it seemed like we were going to be able to go back at that season to go and play basketball. I don't think it ended up turning out like that, but. I said, are you playing for Winchester again this year? And he said, no, I'm actually playing for handball. So he'd obviously done some moving around or whatever or spoken to Nathan and was playing for handball. Handball's like two miles away from my house. So he was like, you should come along. So I came along. We were pl- we were like practicing outside on, you know, concrete um, in the middle of winter um and in the meantime jacks had also mentioned gb um you should go to a gb trials you know over 40s it was at the time um so i was like i'll go to the tryout see what that's like and if i if i like it and i want to do it then i'm going to play local leads you know, keep my hand on the basketball, get in shape, you know, that kind of thing. Play with guys that I like and I know he's going to play a style of basketball that I, you know, it's not going to drive me crazy. Um, and, and yeah, see, see what happens. And that's, that's how I ended up at Handball. Um, and, and Handball just won Div 1 uh, last year. They won the playoffs and the senior so cup So my well. first year, yeah, we won, we won Division 1 and we won the playoffs Last year we won Division One, the Did Cup, double. and the playoffs. So yeah, I think two would, years in a row. What would be good as from a, a Sabah perspective is if gets we start getting more teams in in Sabah in that Div One team. Sorry, in that Div One league. Yeah, so, I think we only had like six teams last year in Division One. So I think like that. it's ex, 
expanding. So I think you've got two teams coming up from Div 1, which is the yeah. Fury and Chichester. Um, but I, I just remember from like, oh, I don't know, I'd say maybe there was always a good eight or nine teams in, in that league. But historically, you used to maybe get 12 good teams in that league. It's tough now because the Dorset teams have set up their They've own division. Yeah. There are, you know, they used to have two or three Bournemouth teams in that Saba local league and now they're in the Dorset league, which is the right thing for them to do because it was, you know, I remember teams having to drive across to Weymouth to play. So if you had, you had teams in Chichester or Bognor or whatever and then you're going to Weymouth, yeah. it's a long way. Um, so, but the consequence is you don't have enough teams to, yeah. to field a decent league in Saba. Well, hopefully that will build up. That's the yeah. one thing I do th feel about Div one, you just need a bit more, um, just a bit more volume, I think. Yep. Um, so, so GB Maxi, yeah. So, you've got into the squad, so yeah, so I um, you got the thing next year. Uh, so I'm not, I'd, I got into the squad during the lockdown and I got selected for the team that was going to Malaga in 2022 for the European Championships. Um, that didn't work out for a, some, you know, strange reasons I'm not really going to go into on here. But Logistics. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't end up playing. I did actually go because my partner was, she made the over 35 team um, and they, they won the gold at the European Champions. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, yeah, they had a really good team. Our, yeah, the GB Maxi's best team was the 35 plus women. They were, they were really good. And Andrea started on that team. So she got gold medal. Um, which was great I, I, and I got to have a two week holiday in Malaga with my boy watching her play basketball and you know going to the pool and doing loads of cool stuff and hanging out with my team so I did spend some time with the team um, I watched all of their games saw some great basketball um, but I wasn't I didn't play um, I started going through the next sort of phase to go to Argentina which was just um, just happened over this summer for the world championships um but financially it just wasn't viable for us this summer um it's obviously a lot of money to go to argentina in comparison to malaga um they've just started the next set of trials for next summer which is the european championships which is in italy don't know whereabouts in italy yet but i didn't I'm still in two minds as to whether i'm gonna i'm gonna go i want to but again it's money do it do it, um, do it. Yeah, so I've, I've, the coach for the team, the GB Max 40 plus teams, Jesse Zazan. So he's one of the guys. So he used to coach East Kent Crusaders, and he, so he coached against us when I was playing for Solent Stars two in Division three way back when, and I've known Jesse for a long time. Jesse was one of the first sort of, these Canadian that's come over and lives over here, and he was kind of trying to build that East Kent club and he was doing you know website match reports after every game and he was always like really complimentary of me um whenever we played we that season we played them four times we beat them four times they were the probably the second best team in our division um but you know he always spoke really highly of me and said you know when we play against Solent this is the guy you've got we've got to stop basically um, so I've always had a lot of respect for him and he's always been really nice to me and obviously he coaches that team so I want to 
I missed out from Malaga. We lost in the semi-final to the other GB team by two, oh, by one, one point. And I, you know, my ego talking, if I'd have been on the team, I think we would have won. Wow. So wow. we'd been playing Italy in the final. Italy was a really good team. And we'd lost to him previously in the tournament. Well, I think we need Ryan back to see how his GB career goes. Well, next year. So we'll when see. you win the medal. Yeah, so I've, I've got to sign up and then I've got to make the team. Because um, I'm two years older now than I was then. And that does make a difference. <laughs> but then if you um, do make the team and you do go there, if you don't bring back that gold. He's going to be having nightmares about it. Well, the, the missus will wake I, up and I just mean, put on his pillow just the, to like keep it say, going. <laughs> it, it, at 40 plus, the Italian team is the best team or has been the best team the last two years and it's in their, it's in their home country. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the guys that plays for them is a, you know, top, he's still playing professionally in Italy. So, they're, they're decent. They're a good team. It's interesting that coach you mentioned as well. Um, the force will be playing against him but he's can I don't think I don't think he coaches that yeah I don't think he coaches the the division like the National League men's anymore oh okay I don't think he does anymore he might I don't don't know but yeah well when when they when we play I'll ask yeah yeah, Yeah. find out who it is and I'll I'll come along keep us posted um, and I'll mention it on the pod are you getting on with GB yeah and um, Mark I just want to say this is turning into the longest podcast I've actually written Ever. A, I've actually written a top here three episodes. It may have to get broken up. No, I think two. You'd be all right. I hope so, I'm not boring everyone. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's great. It's great stuff. Um I think some people listen to Attenborough to go to sleep. <laughs> and then they find this podcast and they're like, Yes. Well, Mark, look, let's get your questions. I know you have your your usual questions. Yeah. So why don't we crack on with that? Simple one. Who's taking the shot? The ball's inbound. It can be whatever shot you want it to be, but it is. This is the game winner for the championship of the entire world. Gold medal, silver plat, whatever we want to call it. I'm going a little bit left field. Yes. I've thought about this. I'm going Mr. Clutch, Jerry West. Wow. Whoa. The logo. Yep. Mr. Logo, Jerry West. Okay. Yep. I like it. Oh, yep. We're going to test my knowledge now. It's I'm Jimmy go Garman's for... idol, Jerry West. I'm going to go for one championships, one one ring out of nine championships. That would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, they were going against the juggernaut in those Boston Celtics, though. I mean, when were those eras, though? Because I've got a whole pre-76. I think they won in, in 70. That was the year that Bill Russell, that was the, year, the first year Bill Russell didn't play. Yeah. And they won that year. I've got the whole until the ABA and NBA were joined none of the rings count that's just me fair enough <laughs> a lot of Boston and LA people don't like me that much for that but uh, you know that's when you had um, the Nets joined yep and Indiana yep and I think there were two other teams as well but that's when the NBA as we know it obviously you've got the expansion teams but really that made the, that made the thing for me uh, just look this up Jerry West led his team to nine berths in the NBA Finals, but the Lakers won just one championship in 1972. Boom. Who was the last team to win in the 70s? 
Seventy-nine. Is this? Uh, you're asking this question, so I'm going to say Seattle Supersonics. Oh yeah. <laughs> Light bulb moment. Yep. And 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 yet that's tagged onto Oklahoma Thunders because they sold the franchise. <laughs> Let's not go down that road. Okay, so you've had the, you had your shot. Yep. Now you got you pick your five plus the one on the bench. So, and we're throwing you the coach question as well. Okay. So I'm going to answer this question. He's put thought into. Look at his face. Excited about. He's well put thought into this. Um. So, have you guys seen? This is going to sound a bit strange, but have you seen the uh, the Spider-Man movie Across the Spider-Verse? Yeah. What um, cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. So you know how they like set up the whole premise of like an ultimate, like a multiverse. Yeah. 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 Yep. So I look at basketball. Mark, I love where this is going. As, yeah. So I've had a lot of thought about this. So I've always thought about basketball careers. What if you were in a different multiverse, different universe? Okay. Are you about to put me in your squad? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but so the way that I've looked at it is if somebody's basketball career went differently, what would it look like? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, and so I'm particularly thinking about like career ending, changing injuries. Oh, okay. Or like Jerry West winning all nine championships. Yes. That's what, yeah. But I'm, I'm specifically thinking about injuries. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm saying who would be my five best players projected based on if they hadn't been injured? Oh, wow. Oh. So I'm picking my five and my sixth based on that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to write so, one down. I think he's insane. So we've already talked about him. So number one, point guard, Penny Hardaway. That is, that is a fantastic, fantastic choice. Plus it's a two for one because you get little Penny as well. Yep. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Number one for the Orlando Magic. That's, uh, that's my point guard. And what was his number at Phoenix? No one, no one cares about that. <laughs> uh, the two guard, Brandon Roy from Portland Trailblazers. Because I think he was on track to be oh, an incredible basketball player. Number three, uh, so the small forward, Grant Hill. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> he talks friend. about careers. It was always going to be him. <laughs> He's my, probably, before he got injured, probably my favourite player. Number 33 for the Orlando Magic. Yeah, also the, the, Detroit the, big, Pistons. the big dark pit where all the money went for like a, a decade that ruined yep. the team. But other than that, yeah, great player. Um, again, I I think he was LeBron before LeBron. Obviously had a hor horrific ankle injury. I'd have loved to have seen what his career would have looked like if he hadn't been injured. Yeah, it didn't I'm sure I heard it on the documentary. He had to put his ankles in these machines that as he slept, it just moved, moved them around to keep so the circulation going. So he got a staph going. infection. Mm. A what? Yes, a staphylococcus infection. And he had to have like skin grafts and everything. It's horrific. Yeah. Horrific. It was all through, was it Duke University that he did a load of stuff as well? Because that's where he was. Yep, that's where he is. Yeah. That's where he's from. Yeah, but Duke. they used to do a load. They, I want to say he was a test subject, but they used to do loads of the sports physio yeah. and all this extra groundbreaking stuff for him. Um, 
which was all that stuff was amazing and it must have been devastating for him but you can't help thinking unfortunately his contract basically they were just paying a massive black hole on his contracts and they couldn't fill the roster because of the nature of the contract yeah so destroyed they, their franchise pretty much yeah you think them and miami heat same time and how many rings of miami won? yeah yep. so there we go small um forward. so that's small forward um power forwards was tough so um and people are probably gonna question it but zion williamson oh okay. oh i think and i hope i'm wrong but i think his career is pretty much over already i think it's gonna be tough for him to come back and be effective i hope i'm wrong because i think he could be amazing but yeah i i think that's another one where you're like if he'd have lost 50 pounds earlier yeah and each year <laughs> yeah i mean he's a big i mean when charles barkley's saying you're too big yeah you, you, well you've got he, problems he's the only player well i'm sure there's been someone else the only one i've ever seen to explode his shoe yeah that was in duke yeah. i think wasn't it yeah it yeah. was yeah but in that. You, you see when Shaw, um sean kemp do you reckon that was set up <sighs> i don't think so He's, he's a big dude. Like, literally just ripped the his shoe. The torque he's putting through his feet, I, I, I don't think so. I think that was just an example of what a freak human being he actually is. Yeah. To have that much power going through to <coughs> mass. Like, you know, when they did the study on Usain Bolt on his shoe. Yeah. And how much power is going through just that tip bit. And you think Bolt is long and lean. He is <coughs> probably literally twice using bolts weight yeah. and then some just muscle that to lift that up and yeah yeah i've worn the same shoes the last 10 years mark right next what those bright, <laughs> those bright yellow shockers yeah um center bill walton bill walton yeah that's a good one um obviously had feet and you know injuries foot injuries entire career but was on track of being one of the best centers of all time yeah and i heard someone else say that the other day if bill Watton didn't get injured they were he was going to be the greatest center of all time who said that oh it's on some nba thing but yeah all right not the one i thought you were going to go for who did you think i was going to go for i'd bynum lakers player bynum because he had bill when you're talking injuries yeah um and then off the bench pete maravich Pistol. 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 Get some Mavs representation again. Lovely. Pistol Pete. And then... Who's going to control those guys? Would so, they all play together nicely, do you think? Both... Both Penny and Grant Hill were really good passers. And yeah, really, they, really good fine. guys. Um, I think they would play well together. And then I think you'd have Pistol Pete coming in off the bench, just firing from everywhere. Um... Are you an Orlando fan? I was when I was a kid. So, because I, because my parents took us to Disney, Disney World. That's how I got into Orlando. Because it was at the time that Orlando first started being really good, and we were in Orlando quite a lot. So, um, they haven't given me much reason to be <laughs> a fan since then. I think they say it's one of the most unluckiest franchises who haven't won a 
Well, um, hang on, you say that. No, no, no. You've also got to look, look at, at the decision picks. making. Yeah, yeah. Look at the lottery picks. They're yeah. the, they, that is why you're the most unluckiest franchise to not win a championship. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But to get to have got Shaq and Penny on the swapsies and uh, Dwight Howard. Well, and and, and then they, they got, getting. Getting Penny was a decision that that they went against the fans on that one because they actually picked um, Chris Webber. Chris Webber. Chris, Chris mm. Webber, and they and that was they traded him for that. Yeah. That was and that, that didn't go down well at the time. People were like, "What? You had bloody Chris Webber? Why have you got rid of him?" But I don't know if you know this story, but there was a pickup game, like a, just a scrimmage, and Penny Hardaway was going, and this was before he got traded. And he was, Shaq was going to be there. Yeah. And he was on the same team as Shaq. And Hardaway was like, right, I am just giving the ball to Shaq all the time. Just like, bam, giving the ball to Shaq, giving the ball to Shaq. Yeah. And then Shaq made a phone call and went, get him. you need to get this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, why not? And they were like, right, we've got to do it. <laughs> yeah. So who, who's, um, hey, I just want to talk. I don't want to focus on Orlando, but you should see their kit this year. It looks old school. It's it great. great. It's With great the pinstripes? It's like little stars all over. All oh, right, okay. It's great. That one. Yeah, it's nice. It's great. Popovich, the Pop. coach. Pop, coach Pop. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you're gonna you're going for the Eastern, the Euro style coach mix of those guys. That's interesting. But it's a unique. That's a unique. That's the most unique one we've had. Yeah, I like that. That's a great list, man. That's a great list. Yeah, the alternate reality best five team. Penny was the one that I was always considering on mine as well. I, lo I loved his game, one, man. Yeah. I just absolutely loved his game. He had the, like the no look passes and you know, he was really unselfish, but then he would come down and he'd throw down a dunk on somebody. He could shoot threes. Uh, he's just good defensively. I, I loved watching him play. I, I know there's a, watching him play. You're, you're the argument Kobe before Kobe. Wow. I've you're number two. I'm, I'm having T-Mac. Yeah, so I did. he got the injury, didn't he? Yeah. With his back and his leg. He... Fellas, you might as well just be putting a bloody magic squad out if you're putting T-Mac in here as well. I, I mean, Grant Hill was Detroit, to be fair. That was when he was at his best. <laughs> Detroit Pistons. Yeah. That's who he was drafted by. That's when he was at his best. They, they, they did a sort of, it was like the reverse faults with Grant Hill, wasn't it? They acquired the injured. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but with faults, they're obviously probably the deal of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, everyone wrote him off, didn't they? That was it. He was out. Philly didn't want him. Everyone said, nah, he's got the, the, the shot, which was that psychosomatic kind of thing going on. That was weird. That, that was, was a, really weird. Craig, did you ever see the clips of that? Markel Fault's shot? Uh, yeah, I've seen the clips of it, yes. But it's a bit like the golf. Strange. Charles Barkley. Golf, golf swing, yeah. wasn't it? Or is that stutter thing? Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, to have put that out now, you see where he is running the floor. And he's, like you've been saying back earlier, where he's very much commanding a team of very young players. He's, he's very much leading that floor. Yeah. And he's done a really good job of that. Which you think he was number one pick 2016, 2017? Yeah. And then got written off that quickly. Yeah. So you go, imagine he'd done well, all that His career was over, yeah, yeah. And then that's it, you're out. And then they traded for Simmons. <laughs> then Philly was stuck with Simmons. Wow. <laughs> 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 
And no one won that guy. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether to say this or not because this is a bit left field, but when we were in Orlando and we were watching him play, I, no, I, well, I don't know if you, uh, no one knows this story, but when we went to Orlando, they did, um, what's the chicken place we went to? Chick, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Do you know that? Yeah. Really nice chick and they had a, if there was like five threes in the game, scored by Orlando, you get a free Chick-fil-A meal. So brilliant. So anyway, Orlando, five threes in like the first quarter and everyone's cheering. So when we were there, this was, this was like the seventh Orlando home game. And it was like 15 threes <laughs> and everyone um, gets, um, gets a meal. Now, for those who don't know the Orlando arena, they've got like a Budweiser bar in the middle. Right. And wherever your seat is, you can go to the Budweiser bar and just get a beer and watch the game. So that's what we did. And there was one guy, as the threes were going on in the second half, there's one guy, and the only way I can describe him, imagine a voice of someone where they they sound like they're having a heart attack. That's what this guy sounded like. And the only word he was saying towards the end was chicken. Chicken! <laughs> chicken! <laughs> and... um. Like it was like the 12 3 ran in the crowd, yeah. And he's like, I want the chicken, chicken. And then at 14 3, and it was like, yeah. <laughs> I literally, he's like, he's about to have a heart attack. 15 3 going, boom, everyone gets the shake, chicken. <laughs> anyway, that yeah, popped in my head. That made it. That was, you had Great. a good day that night. Because were playing. Yeah, yeah, he had a good night that night. Oh dear, we ate so much Chick fil A that I'm other sure day. you did. <laughs> But, Why not? Right. Mark, this is the the, the longest Ethic. bloody podcast we've ever done. This is awesome. Yeah, it's been great. It has been great. Oh, I mean, I've enjoyed it. You've you enjoyed a, it? A, yeah, absolutely. A unique yeah. experience. Yeah, listen, you've got to bring your sleeping bag next time. <laughs> We're going to toast some marshmallows. Well, Ryan's telling us stuff we we don't know. Is this this Kestrel's thing that we don't... No, it's. Un- I mean, there's so many things about. that we could spawn off into, but we will have to sleep at some point. And... You know that our thing one of the things we've talked about well, i'd love to, we'd love to get you back because you know you've yeah, got I'd love to a, come back. a lot yeah, yeah. of basketball knowledge and i think just talk say we, nba wind you two up and just go nba and then psh, just let you go off well my thing is always about why british basketball is not stronger than it is yeah and you know you talk oh, we could uh, open up all kinds of rabbit i know holes but I, I, and you've talked about you know that you've one particular youth player that went up, did really well, went off to Portland after playing. You go, why have we not had multiple successions? Why in the NBA? I mean, now we see a lot of European players starting to come through. We don't really see very many British players coming through, but that's for a whole other thing. You're just trying to get three hours, aren't you? Hell no. No, no, no. We, no, no. I'll tell you what, just because it's so interesting, I'm just going to get Ryan's opinion on this wide topic. Do it. Okay. So this week's wide topic Wilson are designing a new basketball do you know what I'm talking about I'm not I've not heard this no right so basketball leather air basically yeah they're uh, they've designed a ball which is some kind of carbon mesh fiber with holes in it so you can see through it so there's no oh, air no, I have heard about this sorry I did yeah I carry on because I I, I I kind of ignored it because I hated it immediately. But but <laughs> this guy I saw, he was bouncing. He goes, that is the same weight as a normal basketball. 
I don't know if it'd feel the same. I'm not sure how that would work, but they're saying by being able to create that exact same weight, they can do that. There's no variation across any of the leagues, any games that use that basketball. It's actually see-through. That's yeah. the weird thing. So you'd, if I held it in between our faces, you'd see our faces because it's got little really small holes. Yes, no, you're a fan. The Wilson see-through basketball. Nowhere. The, why? <laughs> What's the best ball? Oh, God, it's a good question. Oh, God, he's <laughs> just trying to get... No, I'm just saying, no, you're just saying this. I'm just I, saying, what is the best ball? Is it, again, the, is it the FIBA, the, the, the orange and white one, or is it the... the I, know, I, I know Ryan's answer. He's going to say a ball he's played with that's got fury written on it. <laughs> of course, the best one. Um, I'm partial to when we played we played with the Spalding gold NBA balls do you remember those yeah. from like the yeah. late 90s early 2000s that, yeah. that was that's probably my favourite ball of yeah. all time nice I trip. did I did like the uh, the Badens when they first came out with the white and orange like alternate those were okay that's the one you, I think your brother's got it takes a practice sometimes doesn't he that Baden probably one. and it's, probably. it's super warm now yeah but they had different grooves didn't they yeah yeah I didn't mind those, but I, yeah, if I had a choice, I'd take a Spalding. Yep. It's 90s NBA fan coming back. So you don't like Wilson innovation? I don't. I, I don't mind the Wilson balls. I, I don't. I don't mind them. But the no. see-through ones. I suppose it no, depends how they one, feel no. like. Depends how they feel like. Yeah, you, it? until you know. You don't. He likes his balls hard, big, and <laughs> physical. Bill of see-through. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for that. And from the 90s. Um, I've just realised, I've just realised we're, we're looking at the time. And my, Ryan hasn't even taken his shots yet. No, he hasn't taken shots. Ryan, you've got to take shots. Okay. Do Sh it. Right, hang on. Um, oh, which one is it? Right, now we're going to see Ryan Payne. Off he goes. Go to the court to take his shots. He's He is taking his jacket off, ladies and gentlemen. He is taking this seriously. He's walking the distance to the line. He is looking serious and focused. Oh, did that go in? Touched the rim. The bonus Stevie Ware shot. I think it was in and out. In and out. It's hard. It's it's hard. No, no, I don't. We need to take a picture of that, Mark, because no one can appreciate how hard that is. Well, they're not they're not coming back. It's just me at the moment. Yeah, no. Do you want me to press this button? Let's press the button. Well, hang on. Before we do, let's just say that Ryan really appreciate you coming on, mate. You like you got a wealth of knowledge that is just we're going to great to listen to. We're tapping you again. And, um, I, I really it, appreciate you guys having me on. It's been great. Yeah, and no, I, I'm sure you guys know what we're talking about. But it's, you know, sometimes when people talking, you do hear like a, you can hear a pin drop, and yeah, and that's actually happened quite a few times with you talking. So it's like it's great. You know, you have got a good story when someone's do it when when you when you feel that in the studio. Yeah. So um, definitely. Yeah, really appreciate you coming, Ryan. And love to get you back on. Yeah, I'd, I'd love it. Yeah, I'd absolutely. Yeah, really appreciate it. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, maybe you could coerce some people you know to coming on as well. 
yeah, give me a list of people you, you're aiming for and let me see if I can talk them into it. Um, so, I mean, Grant Hill. Uh, <laughs> Penny Hardaway. Penny, yeah, I mean, yeah. Right, right. brilliant. That's Do you want fantastic. me to press that, Mark? Go on. Yes. There you go, Mark. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? That's, that is the, the most epic, lengthy show. Longevity. Epic length. We'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on you. We've got loads of shows coming up, but if you haven't heard all the other ones, go back and have a listen through. We've got plenty in the catalogue, but we have got plenty more coming up. So I've been Mark. He's been Paul. Thank you so much for listening to us. Wherever you are and whenever you're listening, we appreciate it. Bye-bye.